That's not. Oh my god! What? Wes oh, is shit. supposed to be on vacation. We were supposed fuck. to like free jazz this shit. Oh god! Ah oh, fuck! Have you, start, have you have you started? Yeah, yeah, I've already been recording, and we're. Have oh. we really been recording? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you're probably going to be I'll on the cold open. Please fucking delete everything I've said. <laughs> <laughs> The cold open, everybody. But wait, <laughs> that is the opener. <laughs> if you only just, if you only just start it, I'll hang up and I'll come back in once, no. once the party's really gotten going. No, that's no, that's great, dude. I, I, I figured out a new drink for the black heart, man. Strawberry sunkist and pisco. Wine? No, strawberry sunkist and pisco. <laughs> that sounds gross. It's is that just called red drink? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wes, how was your uh your So where are you, Wes? Are you in Wisconsin? Yeah, I'm in the near the Apostle Islands. I don't even um, know what Wisconsin. that is. So, that Which is Wisconsin? Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, just northern Wisconsin. It's like four hours away. Um, it's yeah, like it's the great. Duluth of Wisconsin. Have, have, have you guys um, <laughs> taken vacations? Do you guys know about this thing? Vacations? I, we were just up at uh, my in law, my sister in law's boyfriend's cabin this weekend for William's birthday. It was pretty sweet. But is that really a vacation, though? Because that's like someone's family-related like place you're going to. I mean, you're going out of your house to go somewhere else. Like I, uh, we, we've Lydia and I, with the even before the kids, we've probably taken two vacations, three vacations in no, yeah, three vacations in like 15 years where we go somewhere that isn't to visit family. So it's uh, so we we just took three days to come to here, and it's like it's great. It's like I think that we might actually take vacation someday in the future. So, yeah, we usually are. We usually I get mix. to record podcasts. I'm about this far into the bottle. So, oh, is that what cheap one you got? Well, it's not cheap. No, it's uh, Luis Luis and Martini. It's a Cabernet, uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sonoma County. Can, can you say that in your worst French accent? Uh, yeah, but it's it's Californian, so uh, California. It's a it's a Cabernet Sauvignon from Sonoma. So uh, it's just, it's um, I mean obviously it's not a French wine, but uh, it is Californian. And, uh, it's Californian grapes. California. Uh, they, they, make, they make good uh, table wine. Yeah. Okay. California. Corey, I'm, so happy, lead. I'm just the I'm just the drunk vacationer. So so have a happy happy two year anniversary second at two year anniversary for the black heart. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty Stop awesome. Touching your Ramirez chest, is, Ramirez is buying beers for everybody. Stop touching your chest, Wes. <laughs> yeah, he saw he saw the uh, the chalkboard that I did of Minnesota United for Chris versus Christian, Christian Ramirez, and yeah. he uh, he uh, are we are we doing the podcast right now? Yeah, we're already rolling. <laughs> um and uh welcome to 551 like, podcast everybody wait no hold on let me start let me start bienvenidos al 551 pod good enough and we're in <laughs> welcome so to the feature con i'll do it i'll do it welcome to the feature con I'm, hour. I'm, right. i told you i'm, I'm okay. just the, the the drunken party vacationer so all right then we're going to mute Wes for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah, let me mute myself. <laughs> All right, welcome to the 55-1 podcast. I am your host, Wes Berdine. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Dad is on vacation, and he has let the kids just kind of free jazz this thing. Uh, we are joined by Rodrigo Sanchez Chavria. How are you, my friend? I am ready for this free check on seven hour podcast. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Mark Fangmeyer, as always. What's up, buddy? Uh, nothing. Just got back from the cabin late last night and 
feeling very, very ill-prepared for this after watching it very, very late last night. Excellent. And we have a bald Frenchman wearing a children's headphones. He hasn't figured out how to unmute everybody. Well, you're the one who muted me. So, <laughs> Wes, welcome. Um, Thank you for joining from your vacation, bud. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, my internet connection is terrible because I'm in the in the woods, and uh, I've got two thirds of a bottle of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon down my gullet. So, uh, I'm just gonna just sit here and sing. You can mute me, and I'll just sing Yo Soy Chacronista the whole time. <laughs> Rodrigo, where are we starting? Um, this is going to be way more open. That's right. I, I'd like to um, first start with the fact that they listened to us, Corey, right? Formation-wise, we went yeah. back to a four-two-three-one, And the fact that we were playing against a Dallas team that, I don't know, they hadn't scored since, I don't know, <laughs> since the beginning. <laughs> I have no idea. They hadn't scored in such a long time. It was they, just, uh, in their previous three matches, they had one goal. Yeah, and then in their fourth match, which is against us, they had three goals. Apparently, apparently, what all it takes is, is having Reggie Cannon step foot in Portugal, and then there you go. So, so one of the things that that I want to talk about is this was like a tale of two halves, right? I mean. What is, what is, like, some, listen, somebody's got to drive this boat. And I mean, I will drive it straight into the pier. Like, we are just going to nosedive this thing. Uh, so we had an abysmal first half, right? Mark, would you say, like, how was our first half against Dallas? Yeah. I mean, actually, in uh, Adrian Heath's, like, post match interview, which was, like, really, really bad from a sound tech point of view um, when he called in for it. But he basically said what I was thinking is that like, I haven't seen us play that bad since it was like 2017 when we would start every match by giving up a goal in the first 15 minutes. It was like inevitable that it would just happen. And it just, you you know, the, the game that it reminds me of new England, that first season, new England, when we started, um, like five people on the bench because they were away for internationals and the game ended like five to two or something like that. Um, but it was just, there was a goal where we would celebrate every 10 minute increment that we didn't give up a goal. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's exactly right. This was, this was all flashbacks to this was vintage Minnesota United. Um, where, where was the, what was the, what was the problem? What was going on? I mean, we went back to a four-two-three-one, which, you know, we assumed would be the right move. But what was the, what was the, what was the issue? Like for me, it felt like our midfield just wasn't clicking. It felt like Ozzy wasn't, um, he wasn't on point. It. I mean, our our attack was. We, we can get to that point, but for me, it felt like the midfield was just not not getting the transition out of the back to our, to our attack. Like Rodrigo, what do you think about that? I think what, what we've been seeing these last three games where we have not been getting much result is that we get our width from our left backs and our right backs. <laughs> and, and I'm still trying to figure out when we switch to that. Um, and also I think, you know, I think honestly, Ozzy just got mad and said, you know what? F this. If I'm the only one that's going to put in work, F the rest of you. And literally, like, nobody was putting in work. Like, if you look at the distribution map for the first four players that they were seven, I mean, like, there was, it was, it was a lot of green space in the attacking third that wasn't being used. There was no passes. Like, it looked like literally we just, it literally looked what five minute, five minutes into a game, a map should look like in distribution, right? Like, and this was actually a first half, and that's one of the things that that was just really frustrating. There was no urgency, and there was no way to try to connect passes. Um, and you know, and Am- Amarija, you know, again, didn't really appear in anything, and uh, for much. I mean, we literally were, were getting our chances from from Chase Gasper in in scoring for that first half. And and that's what, and that's one of the things that's so. Go ahead, Wes. 
Well, I, I think that one thing that we have to remember for the second half of the season is that we are our players are going to be flying on an airplane that morning, playing a game, flying home. They're playing in 110 degrees in Dallas. So it's understandable if they weren't great. Now, they were less than great. They were abject shit. So, um, so I think being critical of them is fair. Um, but th- the thing is, everyone looked lethargic. I mean, especially players like Lud. I thought, I thought, um, Metnir, I would have taken him out in, after 20 minutes and put Dotson in because I thought Metnir looked not up for the game at all. He was, and, he and, was just getting, he was just getting handled by, uh, who was, like who was, Fa- 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 yeah. Yeah, who, he was just um, getting, who I remember very well from his uh, uh, NASL days against us. He was a great player, went on to play for um, FC St. Pauli before coming back to Philadelphia. But the, the problem was um, Metnir was getting completely isolated. And it was, again, you can just see a superb game plan where they saw that they could take him on. Usually Metnir can do well on one-on-ones. He was not good today or that day. And... Um, and, you know, that's a matter of where's where's Ethan, where's Ozzy? And you didn't have a team playing well together because everyone was walking around being like, oh, man, it's hot outside. Oh, I wish we didn't fly today. Yeah, my stepdad did a great job at planning. My stepdad, my stepdad ruled planning oh, we, how to play it. Can we, just, can we just take a quick detour and Rodrigo, do you want to, or Wes, either one of you, because you're both very sexual about this. Do you want to talk about the shirt? <laughs> Rodrigo, you do it. Talk about Luchi Gonzalez. Give it former former Minnesota Thunder player, Luchi Gonzalez. Luchi was wearing like this very, like very chic. Um, um, I don't know if it was like a dashiki type of thing, but it reminded me a lot of the Shipibo um, menwear that they that that they have in Peru. And like, and knowing that Luchi has proven heritage in him, it seemed fitting for him to do that. But man, did he fill that shirt so nice? Like, I was like, I was like, wow! Like, literally, like, I didn't want the camera to stop panning. I just be like, you know, let's just let's just look at this gorgeous, gorgeous image in front of us, walking in what appear to be tight pants, but. I would have, I would have, I would have loved to see one, leather, uh, leather, leather pants, but that was just not. I was told by one player who um, used to play with him, who who will go unnamed, who said that uh, there were two people in 2000. When did he play here? 2006, 2008, maybe. There were two people in Minnesota wearing skinny jeans, and that was Prince and Luchi Gonzalez. And so he, he's he's always been a. Uh, a sex magnet, a sex god. So yeah, Lucha Gonzalez was amazing, and he was amazing with his. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's a very good coach. Uh, he's he's struggled this year for various reasons. Some of his his fault, some of it outside of his fault. Um, but yeah, he had a great game plan. Sorry, but he's also a sexy fucking master. Just just give it. To I mean, his the, the sleeves were just perfectly just fit perfectly on the upper third of his biceps. So they weren't too long, but they weren't too short and they weren't too tight, but they weren't just flopping around. But, um, but then it's also, you had the V line cut. Yeah, showing yeah. Oh, the neck. Um, a, I was, I was like, it, it's a cornucopia. I was aroused. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll admit I'm comfortable with my own sexuality to be like, that is it. That is, that is a, a listen. Everybody man. on the zoom call has bitten their bottom lip at least one time while we've talked about this. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Okay, um, my, my sexuality <laughs> is Lucci Gonzalez. Going back to the actual match. Um, like the one, the one, thing that I want to talk about with that attack is, you know, we were, we were totally isolated. Everyone seemed like it was, um, they were isolated, not a lot of combination play. Um, you know, Rodrigo, you mentioned Amaria and that was one of the things that I was actually genuinely surprised about was we were kind of, after last, last week's show, we talked about, we want to see that link up between Molino and Amaria that we got from the first couple matches of the season. We just didn't get that. Um, Ethan Finley had one really great solo effort 
um, in the first half where he fought off like three or four different players, did a cutback, and then sent the ball into the box, and nobody was there. Nobody was making the run. Um, Mark, did you see anything that was good? What was bad? Um, Yeah, I mean, there was. Again, it's showing just how bad kind of like the um, first half was from an offensive production kind of point of view is that uh, I remember there was one good link up between Amaria and um, Molino. And then something got messed up in the very end and like the final pass wasn't there, but there was like a, some good, some decent were like going back and forth where they brought the ball into the 18 yard box together, kind of going back and forth. But then I forget exactly when it was, but either Molino, I think Molino didn't quite get the pass right or Amri wasn't in the right spot, but yeah. But I think that was like, again, like the fact that I can remember just one instance where they worked well together was rather disappointing considering how all the time through the entire, like almost his back tournament, everybody's like, Oh, Amaria needs a number 10 behind him. He needs someone to make some plays with him." And then when he finally got it, there was still nothing. It was just, yeah, there's just, I mean, when, when some of your best shots in the first half are coming from chase Gasper, and again, notice I did not use the word Pedro because they were not good shots either. Like, uh, you know, something's wrong with your offense. There was one Pedro moment in the second half. There was one Pedro moment that we got. Um, so the first half was just nothing was clicking. Uh, so we got to halftime, right? Um, we had a weather delay about a half hour. Came back and we find out that Adrian Heath is making four subs right off the bat from halftime. You want to walk us through that, Mark? Yeah, and I believe it was only the second time that there was a quadruple sub in MLS history. Um, going back, I believe the first time was when um, uh, San Jose did it against uh, Vancouver and came back. They put they made you know four at once. But then later that uh, on Sunday night, I believe Miami outdid us by doing a... Oh, quad, whatever a five sub is called. Um, but anyways, yeah, like I was, I can only imagine the anger from Adrian Heath in that locker room at halftime, especially with there being a weather delay. So instead of getting, you know, by the time you get off the field in the locker room, you have at best, you know, what, 10 to 12 minutes of Adrian Heath time. But when you throw in that weather delay, and man, all of a sudden you have 40 minutes of Adrian Heath laying into you at halftime and laying into you so much that he's just scrapping the entire offense and putting all new guys in. And it was it turned out to be the right move because they looked like a completely different team once the second half started. So kudos to Adrian Heath for making such a bold decision and being bold and showing for what Wes had talked about for another I mean, obviously, you don't want to uh, have subbing out your entire offense be your plan B, but kudos to Adrian Heath for pulling the trigger and doing it. Here's here's my question. Do we think that he decided on the four subs because he got to just stew over it longer in the locker room? I think there's one case to, to make of um, one thing about the long layoff means that uh, there's a little bit more chance for muscles to tighten up, right? If you're, you, you, you've been hot and you're getting cold, you don't want them to get hot, hot out there again. So Kevin Molino, maybe you don't want to risk him that way, you know, depending on what Amaria's uh, health is, you don't want to risk him that way. But I also think that um, how do you send a message to your team that they are abject shit and, uh, you know, that's a good way to send the message. Uh, I mean, I think that hopefully the message got through. The, the real question is, um, and I know this is getting ahead of ourselves, but the real question is, does does he continue the message, right? Because we've seen that um, he has his players, he plays them. Uh, every once in a while, he'll move someone in and out of the lineup, but it's rare so will we see, and I don't necessarily think we need to see all of those players start on Wednesday, but if Chacon or Edwards doesn't start over Robin Lud, I will, I'll, I'll stab someone. I will come back to Minnesota and stab a dude. Um, and so, yeah, or, 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 you know, Amaria has been bad, you know, I think that he is a good player, but he has not been good. So Start toy, 
You know, just like yeah, send a message. But but he did send a message in this game. So let's talk about that second half. So we brought in uh, Chacon for Lud. We brought in. Uh, I don't even know who was the like for like, but we brought in Toy for Amaria. We brought in Raheem Edwards for Finley. Asani and we for Molino and for Edwards yeah. for uh, Finley. So what was the first thing we noticed? I mean, Rodrigo, what's, what did, obviously he brought in our, our, our tiny savior, but what was the, uh, what was the first thing that you noticed when you, when you saw that change? Combination play. Like there was a press and there was combination play. Whenever we were trying to get the ball, we were trying to get combination plays, and we were pushing the ball, literally, like we were we were pushing the ball. Every time the ball got got lost or the, or we lost possession of the ball, we got it right back because we had Ozzy waiting in the midfield, the middle of the field with all the other ones and just just recircling the ball. And like we were we were we were attacking. And like granted, we needed to, right? I mean, you're down two nothing. You, you you can't you can't you, you can't come out and try to be uh you know we were more technical in all honesty you were more technical in the aspect of where the ball was being played and how it was being played those combination plays chase gasper started uh using Chacona white more way more than than he was before i think dotson started just tearing up that midfield trying to you know make sure make it uncomfortable and we literally like um, Dallas was like, "What the f is all going on?" Like we, we, they couldn't, they did, they didn't have enough time to respond with all the energy and everything else that was happening at that time. It was like, it was like someone, someone like, someone injected two twelve packs of jolt into these kids and just let them lose, right? And then it was just that, it was just that the amount of energy, the pressing, the the looking to build up. I mean, it was just one of those, and 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 it was it, it was one of those things that you you look you look and you you look to you look, you want you want to see, but at the same time you appreciate specifically in 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 a moment where like you know you need offense, and they were trying to create that, and I think they did. I mean, if you look at the distribution yeah. map of the second half, I mean, like it's yeah, it's nuts compared to the first half. It's 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 extremely nuts, and if you look at um, Dotson and Ozzy, uh, they were both all over. And I think at that point, you know, the reason that Ozzy was pushing up more is because we needed goals. We needed a way to push up. And yeah. so, like, we, it was understood that at one point that it was going to be a reliable, it would be, we were going to rely on Boxel and Aha to, 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 to clear up any counter, right? And yeah. My, here's, here's my question is for, and whoever wants to take this, take it, but like, you mentioned Rodrigo that Dallas was just totally confused by what was happening. The, the, the change up in the, in the formation and the play, like, did we come out in like this weird four, three, three at that point with Dotson or was it still a four, two, three? I mean, really it doesn't matter at that point. It was just chaos in front of Ozzy and, and, and Grey Goose, but like what, what was the closest thing that, that we had to, you know, what, what, I guess, like, what formation was that, and can that be replicated? Well, I don't, I don't think we need to get ever too caught up in what the formation looks like, as much as what the tasks that were given, and and just how they're employed. The the real chaos was caused by, um, particularly Edwards. I think Edwards was superb. Um, again and again, we've seen him uh, when he's played do something, um, but they just. They had energy. Toy had energy. Chacon had energy. Um, Hassani like just does you know lines of coke before he goes on or something like that. He just just runs at everyone. Um, and I, I think that they just wanted to prove something, and they they proved it. They you know it's such a funny, stupid cliche about play the kids, and you know most of them are not even kids, right? Rahim is not a kid, but they're. They're still younger and hungrier and they have something to prove and they just ran at them. Uh, and, and I think that um, that just caused chaos. Um, you know, Hassani does play deeper than Molina would, um, but he's kind of moving forward from that position. So it is a four, three, three when they switch to that, but, um, but his task is to kind of 
um, jet forward from the central midfield. Um, I want to talk about Chacon. I mean, I don't, I don't think we need to pussyfoot here, guys. Like this was, this was our dream. We've been, uh, you know, Phil Collins waiting for this moment for all our lives. And, uh, the dude gets in and, uh, we were, you know, I had been, so we had been, uh, at the Blackheart, like just put some music on. We were just, cause we didn't want to watch whatever was on fishing or, or something that was on, uh, um, Fox Sports North and uh, we were just talking uh, first concerts we had ever been to and we were like just chatting about all this stuff and then we turn and it's like well what the hell Chacon's in and we've I, I lost my shit and uh, and then he goes in and I was like I just I need this guy to be good I need him to score a goal I just need him to be good and um, and Chacon was good he wasn't like great right he did not like have one of those passes or shots that just carved open the team, but he was really good. He didn't give up the ball. And I've always been saying like, well, maybe he doesn't want to play him because he'll give up the ball. He didn't give up the ball as much as Molino and Lode did in this game. And he sometimes played it safe, but he sometimes took a really good um, incisive attack. And I just, I, I literally, I know that like I literally make up his fan club, uh, but how do you not give this guy more minutes? It's just, it is mind blowing yeah. to me. Yeah. Mark, uh, what, what were you noticing? Um, yeah, actually I have one thing I noticed that was creating a fair amount of chaos too was when um, Chacon would go, would play in more central but then Dotson would also come up and again kind of play with him. And then it would, they would just kind of overload um, the central part, just to, uh, I forget what zone it is, right before the right above the box. And it worked well. 14. And, yep, there you go, zone 14. Uh, and then, um, but it worked pretty well. And also, I was very, I was actually really impressed with Dotson in that a lot of the times we, we've seen Dotson kind of not so much as the, you know, "Quote unquote," playing where number ten would, which he kind of did. We came him up a little bit further up the field centrally, and his touch play and with um, Chacon when he came central, and also just generally uh, with some of the other players, just on his passing was fantastic. Like we've seen a lot of his kind of being able to distribute the ball, his shooting, and his defensive kind of stuff, but we haven't really seen him like you know with the dribbling and all that. And he looked really, really good, kind of there. He's, kind of like a chameleon in that he can just play anywhere and be good. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that, that, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but the, I, I don't think that Dotson is going to be a six. I don't think he should be a six. The no. thing that I've noticed in the last couple of matches is that when the kid comes in, when the guy comes in, he dictates, he takes the game to the other team. And, he'll take every inch of space that you give him. And you're right. He's not a number 10 kind of playmaker, but he's also not a true number eight. He's just like this box to box. Honey badger. He, he totally is. Yeah. And also one thing that's yeah. great too, is that, um, I mean, I think what, like he said, he has five goals and four out of five are just like bangers from outside the 18 yard box. And, and that fifth one is the one that, that was the SKC. Exactly. And, so like, and the nice thing about him too, is that he's able to like keep, Defensive uh, uh, opposing defense is honest in that you need to keep pressure on him even when he's five, 10 yards outside the 18 yard box because he could just rip one on you at any moment if you give him too much space, which is great for opening up yeah. passing lanes back into the 18. And so, like, I, I don't know, I think whatever we can do, like, I mean, obviously, we're not, yeah, I, whatever we can do to keep him in that position do it like he's just i mean and also he's yeah. if we need to bunker or just kind of hold back on defense he can do that too like he's just a great guy to have in the field centrally just because he can play anywhere you need him and if you need to switch up your tactics on the fly and if you need to switch your plan b he can do that for you if you need to suddenly go more defensive or more offensive he can switch on the dime and do it and i'm like i was most blown away by dots in this match Okay, I have a question, and, and, and it's related to the, to the comment of Plan B. So then we agree that the starting eleven was a Plan A, and then um, and then when we injected the kids at second half, um, it was Plan B. And then we have a Twitter question from uh, from Kevin Hill. Uh, is it Magisterine? Whatever, Santa's. Uh, 
asking why 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 are the young the the kids when we say play the kids why is that plan b and i think that's that's a that's a valid question um if that's going to be our plan b do we do we want to see more of plan b i i think i think wes you, you know nailed this earlier is that Heath has his players and he had whether whether or not he has his formation he has his players he has his preferred starting group and these guys are not part of that preferred starting group but maybe we'll see um a little bit more flexibility i don't know Wes, do you want to say more about that i guess i guess the thing is one thing i want to always remember is that like we've seen hasani be not good We've also seen him be good, right? Like, I don't think we ever need to think like Raheem was great. We've also seen seen Finley be the only really great player on the team, uh, you know, holding the team up. And the 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 my my constant problem is that we just don't find a way to rotate. It seems like we we can't find a way to just put in one of these players and see like, all right, look, this week we need to get these guys in, like. If last game had gone fine, right, with the original starting 11 and we subbed in, then I would like to see two different starters in this game, uh, in this next game, to get keep people fresh, to keep people honest, because you have to, we can understand that, like, there isn't that big of a drop of talent between Finley and Raheem Edwards. They bring different things, and one guy might be doing well. And so you're not, you're not taking a huge risk starting Edwards over Finley. You're not taking a, taking a huge risk starting Chacon over Lud. You know, Toy and Amaria is maybe a bit different, but like Amaria is like struggling. So give Toy a minute and then like force Amaria to, to push to push in. Um I, I guess I'm I'm just really frustrated that that I mean that's a gripe that I've had from day one with Heath. It will be a gripe till the end of time with me, with Heath. And, and so, but I, but I think that that's the way I, I would like to push the narrative on play the kids. We don't have to think Dotson needs to start every time. We don't have to think any of these guys need to start, but we do need to see them more regularly to, uh, to, to keep the team flowing and fresh because that's what Seattle does. That's what Portland does. That's what all these good teams do. They use their depth. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. Um, before we take a break, I want to we we've talked about all the 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 subs. I want to talk about um, uh, Mason Toy came in. I thought his movement looked good, um, but he looked like a striker who doesn't get minutes that often. I don't really have much else to say about that. Um, he needs minutes if he's gonna if he's gonna be a, a starting caliber striker. Um anybody anybody else agree, disagree, have any thoughts I mean, on it? He had he had shots on goal. I mean that one that went after post. Mm-hmm. I mean I think the the great thing about the fact that we were uh, as Mike pointed out, we were doing a lot of combination play around the eighteen yard line is the fact that then you have you 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 really create chaos for the center backs trying to figure out who to cover who that's what there was so much movement when you when you add toy when you add edwards and then you add check there's so much movement off the ball that it just creates little pockets of avenues and that's where a lot of the combination comes in extremely handy like there i mean there was a there was a point where like check did a no look pass like you know like you know, like Stefan Marbury to KG no look pass type of thing, right? And then it was it was a dime, and like literally just needed one small touch and then let go, let go, let go of the ball. I mean, I think those are the things that you're looking you're, you're looking to want to do because we, as I stated before, the worst thing that you want, the most annoying thing as a defender is having someone who gets rid of the ball like in two touches or less, right? I mean, that's that's the thing, the combination play and the wing. I mean, Toy moved moved moved. Moved around enough to be able to create some opportunities. He did not score, but at the same time, you know, he was he was he was part of that chaos. And I think, um, you know, like I still think Amarilla, you know, you've you've paid that guy enough to be able to get that, but he's not getting that kind of service that Toy was getting in this game. Um, and I think that's that's one thing that you you kind of have to figure it out. Like, like I I love um, I love Aaron, but you know, Toy should be your number two. There's no other way around that. Like, yeah. start Amarilla, and if it doesn't work, then put in Toy. 
right? And then give the kid minute. And, that's, and then same thing goes with like, I think I've said it before that Dotson, you know, has proven its worth to get starting rotation. You know, not every game, but at least more consistently than than anyone else. Because yep. when he's in there, he provides he 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 provides not only support in the midfield and and makes I believe makes Ozzy's job just a little bit easier. He doesn't have to focus so much of trying to go all the way into the to to the middle of the midfield to try to stop something when you have Dotson trying running around chasing everyone. Let me just say this, which is that um, the the comments from Heath always are, and and I think we all think that players, you know, player like Toy, who's got to prove himself, they need to prove themselves. You get substitution minutes, you need to make them worth it, right? A player like Toy at his age needs to prove his his worth to get a starting role. All four of those players who came in, uh, I think proved it. They were all good. You know, Troy did not get a goal, but he was, he was bright and he was way better part of the attack. Um, and now that does not necessarily need, mean they all need to start on Wednesday, but he did, they did prove something and they should get more minutes or give them a starting role. I think, I think Edward should absolutely start. I think Chacon should absolutely start. Um, Dotson, uh, potentially, depending on if we think a three-man midfield would, would work against Houston. But, yeah, I, I think that they've earned it. So, Well, before we talk about that, let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back. See, I don't even need to do a reset when you do that. All right, we're back. We're back. 55-1 podcast. Saxophoning. Uh, so we've just been talking about the Minnesota versus Dallas game. Uh, one thing we didn't mention, uh, James Musa came in as a center back. Oh, ouch. He looked He looked fine until he gave up a PK, but... That's all I got to say. I don't think he looked terribly bad, but he gave up a PK, and that's... Was was that like another Larry, old man Larry kind of substitution, except old man Larry did better than Musa? <laughs> I guess Musa's... Why Musa's do we young, think that it? substitution was made, though? I'm, I'm I very... It was very curious, because, I, I mean, it was for Boxall or AHA? It was for AHA. Uh-huh. The, the only thing I could think is, I mean, I, I don't know what the card accumulation is at this point, but... The only thing I could think of is that it's card accumulation or Aha pulled up with something. Mm. That's all I could think about at this point. Uh, Aha didn't get a yellow card. So the, the disciplinary, it was uh, Jesus Ferreira for Dallas and then Chase Gasper, Metanier, and Boxel. Those are the people that got yellow cards for our team. So, yeah. So like I, I think he was just gas tired. I don't think, you know, I, I think they, the Dallas airport um, strategically um, held up his mate supply. So he couldn't have mate before the game. And I, and I just think that just slowed him enough to be able to do that. But Cone had all the Monte, man. He saw how he played. He uh, drank all the milkshake. Yeah. So we're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to get on a, on a plane in the morning, fly down to Texas. Uh, this time we're going to be playing the Houston Dynamo, uh, Christian Ramirez FC. Uh, Mark, what should we be looking out for uh, with this? What Should we use the, the starting lineup? the lineup that we had in the second half of this match, what, what should, what's going to be, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I'm just worried. I feel like we, if you saw what Houston did to uh, the Sporks uh, earlier or about a week ago, uh, to have that, but with a whole lot more motivation from Christian Ramirez and Darren Quintero. And it's, Man, if especially if Aha is did pull up and we literally, I mean, Debasi is, is if he's able to play might be his first showing. Which I mean, he hasn't played since February, and his first match back is going to be on the road in Houston in a hundred degree heat. Awesome, welcome to America, good buddy. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, it's going to be terrible, and so I I don't know what to think. Like. It's a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing with this team right now, defensively, where we either are looking like we did in the um, uh, MLS's back tournament, 
uh, where we have like our stout defense and we're able, and Ozzy's coming back and we're just solid and we kind of have a block going and we're not letting anything through. Or it's, I mean, basically just run at our fullbacks and just take a shot and just make sure it's a good shot. And you're going to beat our goalkeeper and it's going to be, and yeah, and I, if that's the case, either Darwin's going to be scoring some goals or just going to be Christian Ramirez just be running in and just doing some easy tap-ins and it's, it could just turn into a bloodbath like Sporting KC did. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sporting Kansas City has started to show their, their leaky defense from, from 2019, you know, basically since they played us. Um, so I'm taking that with a grain of salt, but I, I think you're right. I think it's, you're going to have Darwin who's mostly been playing on the left side for, for Houston, right? So he's going to be lining up against uh Metinair. I'm not terribly concerned about that, but uh, you know, you have Elis and then you have Christian Ramirez. I, I think it's going to be, um, I, I would imagine we would play a lower block for something like this, but um I don't know. Uh, Rodrigo, Wes, anything? I, I mean, I do think um, it's always fun. It should be a fun game because it's always fun to see um, Ramirez and Darwin go. Um, uh, Ramirez just a little while ago tweeted that he uh, would buy the first 21 drinks uh, for fans at, at Blackheart, which is pretty funny because I think because he saw that I, I wrote up on the board that it was just Minnesota versus Christian Ramirez. Um, look, I don't, I don't know what lineup will work best um, in terms of uh, I, I just don't, I don't want to pretend I, that that's my like super wheelhouse, um, whether it should be this four through through with Hassani in there. Um, I do think that um, it, it is a game that, uh, that Houston can play really well on the break. That's what they did really well. And we remember Darwin was at his best on the break, right? Um, not where he would have to create something, but where you'd get him and then he would go one-on-one and can you imagine him one V one versus aha? Um, or, you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't look really good. I mean, one V one versus um, the Metineer of last week um, would have just been, would be disaster. Um, and I think that the team is going to have to um, be pretty cautious. Hunter, um, the tough thing about this game is that we like playing on the counter. Houston likes playing on the counter. Um, now, granted, if we get a draw on the road in Houston in the middle of the summer, that's, that's not a bad result. Um, uh, but uh, he and Houston need to do a little bit better than us because they're at the bottom of the barrel. Um, but it, it is going to be a tough game when, when you've got that much, uh, you know, when neither team really wants to take the initiative. And sometimes Minnesota, by kind of just being forced to take the initiative, ends up in that role, as we saw, um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Rodrigo, what, uh, what's on your mind about the, uh, the upcoming Houston match? Last three, last three games, which we've lost, we've had above 50% possession. Right, and in, in the first couple of games of the season in in the MLS tournament, you know our possession and as a counterattacking team was in the forties, and so I think out of the bubble, I think Finley looks tired. I think Molino looks tired. Um, I think Amarilla is not fully there. I think if I were to make those substitutions, it would it would come. Either with a um, with, with a Molino sub and perhaps even uh, a Lude or or a Finley, just to be able to give that kind of spark to the side. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I if, if you put a Dotson and 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 our Edwards on that wing. And if you really want to want someone to work on the left side, and Lude needs to be out, then I think Chacon needs to go there in that sense. Because in that sense, you know, just like just like Lude, Chacon tends to drift inwards as well, too. And I think that's one of the things that we've missed a lot from um, from our midfield is the fact that we go wide and we stay wide down the, 
on the flanks, but we do never go inward, like even with our passes or with uh, with our dribble. And I think that's something that that we need to do. And um, the other thing too is 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 if we are in a position in where like Ozzy again is having to go up to create offense, I I just you know this this last game like we had um, we had uh, Gregus try to play some defense and then just you know that's just one touch away and then and then you have whole open field so it's simply easy to dribble around Gregus. Not saying that he's not a physical person, but he's just not. He's he's not built for that. So I didn't understand why Gregus wasn't pushing up as much as he should be instead of instead of Ozzy. And that's one of the things I'm looking more of as to where's Ozzy's movement at. And without Ike, I don't know. Like we we need to figure something out in that sense. And I think this might be um, a four three three formation just to be able to plug the middle up and then. Um, you know, maybe one or two substitutions that we have for the change from the starting eleven, and and see how that goes. And if it doesn't go well, then then you then you plug in what you did what you did in Dallas, and and try to and try to hope for something that that will will do that. I I think Christian and and specifically Christian is playing much better now that they finally are beginning to figure out what is the best way to to get him the ball. Right. Yeah. I think Darwin uh, he has his moments. Uh, and I'm and and I'm not really scared of their of their uh, corners because he takes their corners. <laughs> it's not been the greatest show of, of of taking corners, and we have better on set pieces. And I think we need to be able to do better in set pieces, right? I mean, we had a goal by Aha that was negated because he was offside, but barely, right? Um, we've had a, a couple opportunities here and there, and I think we just need to hone in those set pieces that got us through the tournament and, and, and figure that, that aspect out as well too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some questions then we'll get out of here. Um, oh, one more thing about Houston. Don't yeah. forget it is oh. my favorite Derby. And that is the Dylan Wallopers Derby because it's the best, most pure Derby name that there is in MLS. Yeah. It's. We, we celebrated Houston fan Dylan Wolper's uh, birthday. Yep, it's a beautiful thing. Every year he Happy has so birthday, many birthdays. Dylan. So many birthdays every year. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, we got to some of these, but let's uh, let's I'm go over them again. Um, offensive Loons fan, Luis Samaria looked like the real deal in the spring, then the world ended. Now he's been in a sort of slump, which is the real Amaria. How much rope do you give him acknowledging the bizarre circumstances of the season, but knowing you've got players like Toy needing time? Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you think about Amaria? Um, I mean, I still, I still think we can see what we, I mean, I, I think, I mean, he obviously has a ton of skill and we saw that in the first couple of matches. Um, I don't know if it's just a comfort thing now or, I mean, here's the thing, like all through the preseason, they were probably working on the four, two, three, one, because that was their, always their go-to formation. So they have the entire preseason that they're working on this they, and they open up the season and it works, and the team looks solid because they've been doing that. And then they have a very long break, and they go into the um, tournament after being off for like three months, and they're in the four-three-three, which is not ideal to him and and how he plays. And it doesn't, and he doesn't look good. And then in the very first match back, which was in Dallas in hundred degree heat. We finally went back to it, and every and everyone looked bad. It wasn't just him; everybody looked bad. And so, we're still. I mean, how many matches are we into this twenty-three match season? We're like what, like six or seven in now. So, like at least till we're like fifteen matches into the season, then what? Like then, I did would have a better idea. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still early. Still play him. Whether that's you know starting toy. And then have him come in off the bench or, you know, start him and then doing a swap at halftime. It's not working out, whatever we have toy and he needs minutes too. So I'm fine starting him and switching that half or doing whatever, or having him be a sub, just get him both minutes. Wes, what do you want to can say I, about that? Can I bring us uh, back down to earth and, and let's take a review of the season so far. We have, um, we have uh, three wins uh, in the regular season, two wins outside of the regular season in the tournament. Um, 
two of those total five wins were against San Jose. I think we match up perfectly with that. You know, he's got Almeida's number. Um, one of them was against Sporting Kansas City, and I think we can all agree that Minnesota did not deserve to win that game and were extremely lucky to draw that game, uh, or would have been extremely lucky to draw that game. One was against Portland. I think we were superior. Uh, and one was against uh, Columbus. And I think that um, we had a really great game plan. One, Columbus probably out of 10 games would win that six or seven times. We had, we had a good good result. Minnesota have had some good results. Uh, I'm very I think we we can be proud of those, but at the same time, uh, they have not been particularly good most of the season. And so I don't think that we should. I think it's chicken and egg stuff sometimes with a striker like Amaria, where um you know is it his fault uh, or is the fact that everyone behind him has not been particularly good? Right, Ethan Finley, who I think you know uh, just based on salary-wise, is not our best attacker, was our best attacker for most of the season so far. Um, Kevin Molina's been injured. So, uh, you know, you're absolutely right, Mark. We, we we should not, we've said this before last week on the podcast, I think. We can't judge him too early. Um, and also, I just don't think we've had a good offense behind him. I, I think that, uh, again, we all need to remind ourselves that the season does not matter. I do not want to win a trophy this year if I'm not in the stands, it's super selfish, but what's the point of winning trophies if we can't celebrate together? And so we should think about like, you know, Bebelo, when he comes in, um, uh, Bebelo, Bebelo, am I putting the accent on the, the second? Bebelo. Bebelo. Say it with Bebelo. me. Okay. Bebelo. 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 It's right. like, you remember, you remember the Bebelo, Bebelo shop, right? Bebelo. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm just, thank you. Uh, so Bebelo, we want him to be something great. We want to see Chacon in there. We want to see Molino continue. And so, you know, Amaria is going to get his chance to, to be better. But um, I think we saw some good stuff in those first two games. We also saw him miss a penalty, right? So I don't think anyone should imagine that Amaria is going to be the savior, even though after those first two games, I definitely thought he was going to hit his 20 goal mark, but who knows? So that's my long response because I'm always I mean, short response. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, you have to look at who, who are they replacing? Right. I mean, you, <laughs> Rodriguez was, was our other option last year. Right. I think, I mean, as of right now, I think he's doing fine. What I am salivating at is the fact that if I get to see at least Chacon and Amarillo try to do combination plays together, or knowing that Chacon needs to get Amarillo the ball, then um, then that's something that 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 would be interesting to see, and I I would love to get an opportunity to, to watch that. And of course, the dream you know for all of us now is is to watch a, a Bebelo, Chacon, Amarillo connection, and then just have them see what what kind of quick passes they can do, how they can do that, and what what kind of offense they can they can produce out there. Um, and I think that's 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 the thing. Do, do you give Amarija uh, more 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 time? Yes, of course you do, because you only have three forwards, right? You got to play them. You don't have four or five. You don't have four, right? We, can't, we, we technically can't really, even though I want to go on a two forward system, we can't really do that um, um, at the moment. But it's something that you have to give them that that opportunity to go ahead and and, and play, and hopefully. Uh, we're able to get them better service. And so I think these are one of these opportunities where you have um, someone who can create, go in there. And um, I think they've earned it. So, Yeah. Uh, Matt from the Patreon Slack. Uh, let's see. Uh, in light of the Michael Bradley discussion, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, he did not kneel. He chose to stand during the Canadian National Anthem. Uh, how do we move past nuance being a progressive pipe dream and just how we converse? Anybody have any thoughts on that? I mean, he's he's come out and said, um, you know, he supports all the initiatives of his players. He believes in in social racial racial justice, um, but he chose to stand and he got buy in from the rest of his players. Do we do we care? Is it is it fine if he, you know? came out and explained himself afterward and quite clearly explained himself or is it, are, are we reading too much into it or um, where are we at with this one? Who wants to take that? 
I I mean, like I didn't like I didn't watch the game today, and I know it was on a, and I wasn't able to watch the game. But um, like the first initial reaction is it was like, why is he the only one standing, right? And then uh, actually understanding the fact that he is uh, he is he was standing during the Canadian national anthem. It it it, it kind of like at least at least for me it was like was like well. You know, racism isn't just a United States issue, right? Canada's done some pretty nasty crap to the indigenous population and to and to people of color in in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, I mean, their prime the prime minister, whatever they want to call him, you know, was caught bla- doing blackface at one point, right? When he was younger, like I mean, it's, Canada doesn't get a free pass, right? So if you're gonna be able to, you know, say and stand behind Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter movement isn't just a United States movement. It's, it's, it's a worldwide thing. And I think that was my issue with it, right? Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're all in, then be all in, right? right. And we've heard, you know, and if we've heard uh, his dad, Bob, talk about, you know, supporting his players, supporting them, that they have to be advocates. And we've heard, you know, players from LAFC give, give Bob credit for that, that. But I also think that for if, you, if you're going to use your voice... And and in your in your presence, right? To give that, then you should you should kind of give like a unified um, message at the same time. So I think with that question, you know, the the question is aimed kind of toward the idea that like, look, um, Bradley um, did this thing, and people kind of reacted strongly, which you know makes sense. Um, and then you know, and then he had kind of he he in the after aftermath kind of gave gave an explanation that I think you know makes sense. Um I still don't know exactly why he decided not to kneel. Um but but you know he largely gave this thing which is like look I I believe I support uh, all, all these all all of my colleagues whatever uh, full heartedly wholeheartedly um but the 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 problem is um <laughs> The problem is everything's a powder keg and I don't really blame us for overreacting, but I also get tired of overreacting and I overreact myself. I'll, I'll admit it. Um, so I don't think there's a, it's easy to do nuance. Um, I do think that, you know, like with uh, Brent, you know, when, or uh, yeah, when, when Brent Coleman um, uh, didn't kneel and wore his own and racism shirt or whatever, um, he could have come out and explained it and it would have been tough, but like, uh, you know, he could have said, look, this is, this is what I believe, et cetera. Um, but anyone who makes a stand like that has to know that there are fans, there's colleagues, there's everyone who needs to know why they need to know, do you support us? And, um, and I think we should always give, you know, we don't have to give a benefit of doubt. We just have to wait for that, right? You, you know, Michael Bradley's not going to explain it mid-game, um, but that, that there does we people are owed an explanation. Um, I think I think particularly black fans in, in Minnesota were owed an explanation by Brent, and I think that he let them down. I think that that was not why he was sent to El Paso. I think that he was going to be loaned out anyway, but. Um, I don't think it uh, was not a part of it at the same time. I think that, and I think that he let people down. I think that people were right to be angry. I was very angry. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, he scored. Wait, hold on. Rodrigo, say that to unmute yourself. He scored in El Paso game. Yeah, it was a, it was a corner kick and it totally left him unblocked and he scored on a header. Yeah, he got like a free header, like basically on the far post, like just yeah, like, like nobody, right nobody was there. He just got a free header, like literally. I don't think he even moved his head. Like he didn't. No, see, I, it's just I think like it, ricocheted yeah, off his head and went in the back of the net. It's and just white those, privilege, man. Those white privilege. Just, that's one of those white privilege goals. <laughs> that's right. El Paso loved that. Oh, and uh, with that last question, given our latest runner form, incoming players, and Heath's track record. Am I allowed to dig out my 27-2018 hashtag panic t-shirt? My answer is no, absolutely not. Keep that trash in a drawer. We are fine. Oh, no, uh, no, no, no. It is always good to panic. There's never a wrong time to panic. There's not enough time to panic. Yeah. Look, we if, we, if we all go with what Wes says, the season doesn't matter. So why panic? Yeah. No, just nihilism, no, You man. always panic 
Exactly. Nothing matters and you panic. Exactly. That's the, that is the <laughs> It all doesn't matter. Panic anyway, because look, the second you stop panicking about this team is the second you start realizing that literally shit's burning in the streets and everything's dying and we live in a fascist state. So panic as much as you want about like who's going to start as center back next week. Yes, so please. Drink, drink Pisco. Don't panic. Okay. I finished the bottle of wine, guys. So. That's good. Every, 